Welcome to episode 115 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church and any others who would uh, like to listen in. I'm uh, here with my uh, dear brother, Dr. Gabriel Williams. Good to see you, Gabe. Good seeing you. I'm John Payne. I'm the senior minister of Christ Church Presbyterian here in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. And uh, we are here today to talk about what ought someone to look for in a church when they're uh, looking for a church. Uh, people talk about church shopping, which I don't <laughs> quite like that uh, 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 phrase, but uh, we all know what is meant by it. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we, we praise the Lord that the Lord is building his church. But, but Today's society is so uh, transitory. People are coming and going, uh, moving jobs, moving to different cities. It's happening all the time. And so, inevitably, Christians are always looking for a church, a church home. Uh, The question is, what ought believers to look for in a church? And I think that's a question uh, that's an important one and perhaps will be helpful to our listeners today. Of course, we hope none of our members are thinking about moving anytime soon. Uh, uh, but if you do, uh, these are some things uh, that we hope you will uh, be thinking about. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people will choose a church for the wrong reasons. Um, I have found over the years that uh, many sort of broad evangelicals will not choose a church uh, because of uh, the doctrine or the preaching or uh, or uh, the view of the sacraments or the shepherding care, or all these things that we're going to discuss today, but they'll choose it on how the music in the service makes them feel or how much the pastor makes them laugh or how good the programs are for their kids. How good is the youth ministry? Does it, are my kids happy with it? In other words, are, are my kids happy with this church? Uh, I'll let them choose it. I, I've heard of all of these things in the past 20 years of ministry over and over again and was reminded recently about why it is so important uh, that Christians, when they move to a new city and are looking for a church, that they ought to be thinking about uh, some important foundational things as it concerns choosing uh, a good church. And I would actually back up a little bit beyond that because uh, a, a large concern about this matter is that sometimes people take jobs in places that they haven't even investigated whether or not there are good churches there already. Yes. And so that means before we even start the discussion, if you're in this new city, the first question you have to ask is, is membership in a church and the actual church itself important enough for you to make the sacrifices needed and that often means that there are some places that you cannot move to because there probably aren't good churches there that probably means some jobs you cannot take and for college students that also means there's some colleges you probably cannot go to because there's no good faithful church in your vicinity but gabe what if you get a ten thousand dollar raise isn't isn't God telling you to go somewhere where there's no good church? Or what if you get a big scholarship? Isn't God telling you that you must go to that college because of that? Well, again, we don't we don't read tea leaves <laughs> within the church. We yeah. go by what is prescribed. Yeah. And what is prescribed is clearly that the church and your membership in the church is foundational to your Christian discipleship and it is the will Amen. of God. 
Amen. Yeah, so uh, we I say these things facetiously because that's the thinking that people have, that, that I'm, I, God must want me to have this job because of this big raise. Uh, so I'm supposed to leave my healthy church and go somewhere where there is no healthy church or where I'm going to, quote unquote, hope for the best. Yeah. And then uh, your discipleship is, is, is thrown uh, awry and, and, and uh, uh, you find yourself... Um, uh, empty and uh, and longing for that which you had, um, it's not worth it. That's and right. uh, we 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 really show what our priorities are uh, when we make these kinds of decisions. That's right. And so, in terms of getting started with the sort of things you would look for, I would start at the core foundational level. Meaning, smoke machines. <laughs> <laughs> At the basic level, you have to ask uh, yourself the question, when choosing a church, what are the actual doctrinal commitments that the church has? Now, in terms of what that means, that does not mean what's necessarily doesn't mean what they write on their website, because people can say they subscribe to such and such a confession, but their entire course of ministry can be unrelated to it. The, the real question is, what do they faithfully believe and what do they faithfully practice? And that goes back to doctrinal concerns. And so, for example, if you're looking for a church that is confessional, it's not just enough to say, hey, they subscribe to the Westminster Confession. The question is, how does that confession actually teach them and influence how they think about worship, discipleship, and all the other aspects associated with the Christian life. And there are ways to find that out. Yeah, right? there are lots of ways. So recently, uh, a couple of our uh, new members who are moving away in a few months were sharing with me that they were calling up ministers and essentially interviewing them. Yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Asking them all kinds of questions about their belief in Scripture, what's their method of preaching, what do they think about some of the uh, current things going on in our culture regarding the moral revolution. Uh, so you're going to find out a lot. A lot, of, a lot of Christians don't feel that they can do that, but you absolutely can and should and do should that. Do you it. should be interviewing pastors and elders about what it is they believe and why they believe it. Another thing you can do is listen to their preaching. Before you choose a church, go, or before you move, go online and listen to their preaching and see uh, what is it that they are emphasizing, uh, what is it that they are proclaiming, what are they passionate about, is the gospel being clearly proclaimed uh, in, in, the, in the preaching. Uh, and uh, those are the kinds, the kinds of things you can do rather than saying, well, let's just go and hope for the best. That's right. So that's, that's your first, you can say, mark of a good church is we have the preaching of the word and what we if you think of an application at that point, it means that they are practicing and proclaiming that which the scriptures practice and proclaim, in a sense. And therefore, what the scriptures highly emphasize is what you expect a church to invest their time, their money, their budget, and all of their efforts uh, in that direction. The preaching of the word, the proclamation of the gospel, that would be you know, point number one. And... So not but, and the next thing you want to ask is, look at the elders. Now this is harder to do because you can't just interview an elder and find out his godliness and his you know, holiness and things of that nature. But what you ought to look for would be, what is the standard in which the elders hold themselves? Uh, is there an actual session there? Is it one person or are there elders, plural? 
uh, is one person running the whole church and therefore he is basically the last one making all decisions or is there a board is there a session in which there is actually elders there to make decisions for the church is there in the sense uh, in terms of what an elder is, an elder is a shepherd. Is there actually shepherding care happening? And do they know the people, and do the people know them? That's right. Uh, over and over again, as we've received new members into our church, I've asked, who was shepherding your soul in your former congregation? Who who was your elder? Who was your shepherding elder? Um, blank stares. Mm-hmm. Um uh, did you know your pastor? No, no, I didn't. And particularly if they're coming from a kind of big box evangelical church, uh, there's n- they, not only do they not know their pastor, there is zero expectation that they would ever know their minister or that the minister would be on a, on a more personal level ministering to them in their living room, for instance. I um, mean, just yesterday I had the privilege of, of visiting uh, a family in our church uh, who, you know, is, is um, going through some challenges. And uh, what a blessing to be able to visit them and pray with them and encourage them and read scripture with them. That's just the kind of thing you don't see in the kind of big box evangelical churches because it's so big and the emphasis is on um, uh, not on sort of making mature disciples as much as it is on bringing in the numbers to keep the machine going. Now, that's a little cynical. I know there are good things that go on in these churches. I praise the Lord for that. Uh, But I've just heard over and over again, my own brother uh, who was in a large church before he became reformed out in California, was told in an informational class, do not ever expect that the ministers of this church will visit you in the hospital. Do not ever expect that they will do uh, shepherding care in your home. We are here to reach unbelievers. And if you don't like it, you can move on and we'll make the seat available for somebody else. That was communicated to them in no uncertain terms. Now, they were honest about it, but the reality is, this is what's happening in so many of these uh, large big box kind of approaches, and not just the big box churches, but even even smaller churches as well. And so, uh, you know, we we certainly know that we don't do these things perfectly, but it is our desire to do that, which First Peter chapter five uh, mm-hmm. says, which is. Uh, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. You cannot be an example to the flock if you do not know the flock and the flock doesn't know you. That's right. And on my end of things, as a member, there's also the point of, do you want to actually imitate your minister? Meaning, does your minister have the fruit of the Spirit that is so abundant that you look to him and say, that's someone who I would like to model my life after? Mm -hmm. If you can't say that about a person, then why would you willingly submit under their leadership? And that's, that's a difficult thing to say, but... That's something that happens pretty often, particularly with younger churches. There are a number of churches in the Charleston area and also in other cities where the ministers are more or less all under 40. The church is full of a bunch of 20-something-year-olds, and there isn't uh, essentially a long enough period of time for God's to work sanctification in the hearts of the ministers. And so you get lots of 
youthful folly that happens that you would expect to happen from a young Christian, but not from a minister of the gospel. And this brings up the importance of uh, the qualifications for officers in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, the Bible does have clear qualifications and requirements, and interestingly, the focus in these qualifications um, is not on competence um, or gifts, yeah. but, but character. Exactly. And integrity. Uh, so the focus isn't so much on how well can you speak, how good do you look, uh, how well can you manage people, uh, these kinds of things. It's actually on are you walking with God and does you, is your walk an example of, of, of faithfulness uh, in, in, in the gospel and, and in the Lord? Uh, all by His grace, of course, but there's a, there's a seriousness about the piety. And, and so, you know, too often um, there is an emphasis on, on competence and giftedness rather than on character. And one of the things I heard as a young Christian, and it stuck to me uh, at the time, because as a young person, you don't think about these things in full. But I was basically asked the question once, if you're looking at ministers and you're just kind of evaluating their godliness, you can ask yourself a few questions. Would you want that minister near your bed if you're dying? And would you want that minister to do your funeral? Now, if I'm 18 years old, that wasn't anywhere in the realm of thinking to me. But as I've gotten older, I thought to myself, that's actually very... That's a very kind of intuitive way to think about your elders and ministers. Would you want them to bury you, <laughs> in a sense? Would you want them near your side if you have terminal cancer? Or would you want them near you if your wife died? And if your ministers don't have the godliness and the depth of character to deal with that. Gravitas. Yeah, if they don't have that, then uh, be honest, that's not someone you want to shepherd your soul because they don't know what's of most importance to your soul. The Apostle Paul uh, makes it clear what he and the um, apostles were uh, committed to uh, in their ministries, and, th and this is that which teaching elders ought to be committed to, pastors ought to be committed to in every church, uh, uh, no matter what kind of style of worship or what kind of approach you have on various things. This must be a priority because it is in Scripture, and Paul writes this, him we proclaim, that is, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And so here's this emphasis um, on making mature disciples. That is the calling of every pastor and thus of every church for its members. That's a big question that should be asked when you're searching for a church. Does this church seem to be committed to making those under their care mature in Christ? And part of that too, Gabe, is accountability, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Church discipline. That, that's that's you know, church discipline should be thought of in two ways. Um, first of all, that everything's done decently and in order. So there's an order, orderliness to the church in the way it deals with its finances, in the way it protects and takes care of its children against predators, um, and in the way that uh, the church uh, uh, schedule is, and all of these things. We have order, um, but that discipline also includes small d discipline, namely when there are those who go astray uh, a man who's having an affair on his wife, uh, a, a person who's caught looking at porn, or you know, 
we could say a million things here. How does the church deal with that? Do they simply turn a blind eye or shove things under the rug and just say, well, we're all broken and it's just we're all sinners, so we're just going to ignore this? Or do we do as Scripture calls us to, and that is to lovingly uh, confront Matthew 18 and um, and to call people back uh, into to, you know call people to repentance and back into true fellowship with God and the people of God. Um, this is something that surely doesn't happen in the kind of modern big box evangelical churches and in a lot of churches in general right. where you don't have that commitment to loving the members enough, the sheep enough uh, to bring discipline, to bring them back into the fold and to restore them. Yeah, and apart from, part of that discipline, apart from the actual, you can say, punitive aspects of making sure that members that are living scandalous lives are dealt with, you then also have the guarding, protecting side of being a shepherd. I think it's a John Calvin quote in which he says that a good shepherd needs to have two voices, one voice to essentially gather his sheep and then another voice to ward off the wolves. And you want an elder who knows how to do both. You Indeed. want elders that are able to see false doctrine and its influence in, in say, in a wider culture. They should be able to see when those things are entering their church, and they should have very strong dispositions against it and proclaim against it loudly and confidently. Because, as Paul said in numerous other letters, a false doctrine is basically like leaven within bread. It's going to eventually leaven the entire lump. And it is the elder's job to make sure that if it is seen, it is dealt with as quick and as swift as possible. And an orderly church has formal church membership. That's right. Uh, where the members, when they join, they take vows voluntarily. They take vows to protect and to foster the peace and the purity of the church. And so, when they, they're basically saying, I want to be held accountable. I know the devil is powerful. I know my flesh uh, rises up. I know I could I could potentially fall and be tempted. And I want the elders of this church and the members of this church to confront me and hold me accountable if I go astray, because I know that's what's best. And and so that's a, a an important part of again choosing a church. Uh, that's biblical when you go looking for a church, uh, making sure that these things are a priority. And if you hear, uh, uh, no, that's not really a priority, or you hear them keep dodging the questions, you know, this is probably not uh, the church that's holding to biblical standards. It's some other kind of standards. Um, so, uh, it's an important topic, Gabe. We have so many people moving from town to town and being transferred in their jobs, and you have to ask the question, A, if, if I have an option uh, about where I am going, um, and we know some people have situations where they're put in an impossible situation, we recognize that, but if there is an option, uh, you must really, if you take the Lord's word seriously, you must ask, is there a good church in the place that I'm being asked to go or being or given an option to go, uh, whether it's college or a job or whatever? Um, and then once once you find out about those churches, begin to ask uh, those questions. Find out about them. And uh, and if you're in a, also if you're in a healthy situation right now in a healthy church, wherever you are, wherever you may be listening to this, just know that that is not on every corner. 
Amen. Um, these days, there's just a lot of crumbling under the pressures of the culture and the moral revolution and wanting to put things in therapeutic categories rather than objective truth categories. And so just be mindful that if you're in a solid church, we have good relationships where there's a healthy leadership, um, just know that that is not going to be everywhere and uh, exactly. consider whether or not it's the best thing uh, to go. Um, well, this has been a good conversation, Gabe, and um, I'm thankful for Christ Church Presbyterian. I'm thankful for this body of believers where we enjoy uh, unity and, and love and encouragement, and uh, the Lord has given that to us, and so may He continue to do that and to increase it uh, for His own glory. And uh, we'll see you next time on Between the Times. 